the coldest water I've ever swum in was minus 0.7 degrees centigrade. And that was in Finland in the Arctic Circle. It was basically like swimming in a, a giant slush puppy, so kind of like icy kind of slush. Welcome to Swim.Rocks, the podcast that shares ideas, information and inspiration between swimming people who stay dry. I'm your host, Ben Ramsden, and this week we're talking to Sally Goble. Now, Sally is a fascinating lady. Professionally, she's a senior IT leader and international conference speaker with a degree in physics and theoretical physics, and also a postgrad diploma in theatre studies. But in other parts of her life, she's a swimmer, writer, and eternal optimist, apparently. She has a particular enjoyment of outdoor swims, including rivers, oceans, and as we shall hear, icy environments. She swam the English Channel in July 2006 and she writes for the Guardian newspaper swimming blog and has a medium blog called Postcards from the Pool. Well, that's my introduction of Sally, but I was really keen to hear how she would describe herself. A good way of describing myself is that I'm not as your typical swimmer. And I kind of think this is a kind of story I kind of say to a lot of people. I'm kind of extremely short. I'm like uh, five foot tall, which I guess in Australian money is about, you know, one meter 40 centimeters or something. Um, So I'm really short. I'm a middle-aged woman. I'm quite round. I don't look anything like Michael Phelps. Um, And I live in right slap bang in the middle of central London in the UK. And I've got a really busy, hectic job and I swim to keep myself sane. Wow. So, I mean, I have to say from, from, from reading your profile, I, I would call you a, a swimming addict. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I hope that's appropriate language. But when, when did you realise you'd sort of become addicted to swimming? Um, yeah, I guess it kind of took, I think it was a, a kind of very slow um, a slowish process for me i didn't start i didn't i didn't swim when i was a, a kid at all really i kind of swam um you know for leisure like many other people do when they're young um i i grew up in africa so there were there was a lot of water around outdoors so we kind of we learned to swim when we were when we were kids my mum is completely aquaphobic um and so i think she got us to you know she she taught us to swim or she got us taught to swim early on because she knew that she wouldn't be able to rescue us if we fell into a pool. Um, but then I kind of, I didn't really swim very much at all when I was a kid. Um, and when I was in my teenage years and when I was at, at university, I, I did quite a lot of running, but then I, um, I guess when I was around 30, I moved to London and I didn't really know where to run in London. It's a big city it's mostly roads and so I started going to the pool and and swimming on my own as a kind of nice bit of exercise I swam on my own in this kind of fairly nasty busy dirty public pool in in Hackney which is a you know quite a poor part of London and and at the time I could only swim 
two lengths without stopping. Um, but I kind of went to the pool a couple of times a week and I kind of first week I'd swim two lengths on my own. And then the next week I'd, I'd swim three before I'd have a break and I'd have three and I'd have a break and I'd then swim another three and I'd have a break and then I'd swim another three until I could swim a mile on my own. And, um, and at this swimming pool I was, I was swimming at, I, uh, there was a, a master's, uh, swimming club, um, that were swimming in the other half of the pool. And there was this guy who was a coach. He was a real, um, sassy dude. And he used to play a, get have a ghetto blaster on the poolside and play it and make all the master swimmers swim to the rhythm of the music and I used to kind of watch them from my side of the pool and think oh that looks like fun and one day he just invited me to join he'd obviously been eyeing me up as well and invited me to join his master's club and so at the at the kind of ripe old age of 30 I got involved in um swimming in a master's club um and then I did that for quite a long time. But given that I'm, uh, you know, short and kind of fairly round and not particularly athletic, I guess, I was never a brilliant master swimmer. I was never a great sprinter. And I'd kind of go along to galas and I'd just be really average and I'd never win any medals and I kind of would get a bit slightly despondent. And... Um, and then I guess in around 2000, a friend of mine said, oh, I've got this friend who's starting up this swimming adventure holiday company. Why didn't you go on one of these swimming holidays? And so I kind of took myself off on this swimming adventure holiday, having never swum in the ocean before, and um, went to Greece and started swimming around the islands in Greece. And, and then it was then I became addicted. And then there was no stopping me, really. What a, what a wonderful story. Um, you mentioned uh, Hackney. Um, was that the old Hackney Baths? Um, it was, a, well, there the, were the, the lots of not swimming pools. It was a swimming pool called King's Hall, King's Hall Baths, uh, King's Hall Leisure Centre. I think it was like from the 1930s. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I remember uh, I was I used to live in London, and I um, when I was a kid, I went to the old Hackney Baths to do my uh, canoe proficiency uh, before oh, they really? let you out on, on horrible London rivers. You have to uh, prove you can't drown yourself on a in a <laughs> Hackney. We went for that, so I was wonder, wondering maybe it was the same pool. Maybe it was the same pool. Yes, quite, quite but. But you talk about living in central London and this rather old pool, rather old nasty pool. I mean, most of our listeners are in Australia. Can can you tell us a bit about what the UK swimming culture is and the sort of character of the pools, particularly in a in a major city like London? Yeah. So um, four years ago, I I turned fifty, and I decided for my fiftieth birthday to um, swim for 50 days in 50 different swimming pools, swim a mile a day for 50 days in 50 different swimming pools in central London. And I kind of set myself this goal that they would only be public pools. Um, so I wouldn't go to any kind of fancy hotel pools or kind of private gyms or anything. I would find all the, all the pools I could and swim for a day, uh, a day, a day, a pool a day for 50 days. And it was absolutely perfectly possible to do with a bit of kind of logistical planning. 
and um and it was like an amazing experience like I was kind of driving around in my kind of little car every day before and after work finding a different swimming pool and um and people often say to me which is your favorite which was your favorite pool and you know they're all completely different i say it's like having children you know you like you love them all for different reasons and so you know there are kind of very beautiful old marble lined Victorian pools with balconies and vaulted ceilings that are really strange length because you know some of the British swimming pools were built when you know they were built to be 50, 50 yards or which ends up being you know 36 meters um, or you know 25 yards which is 20 meters or something so you have all these kind of strange beautiful old swimming pools with different which are strange, strange and old distances and then you have you know municipal swimming pools which are in sheds which are 25 meters long and they've got kind of six lanes we have lots of indoor 25 meter pools um and then we have some beautiful 50 meter pools, which are com competition pools like um, in Crystal Palace, which was built in the um, 1970s for the Commonwealth Games. And, and of course we have lots and lots of beautiful outdoor swimming pools, which is amazing. I mean, I know in Australia, like practically every person apparently has a 50, more, 50 meter pool in their backyard. Um, but in London, we have lots and lots of 50 meter pools as well. And, we have a, a 90 meter long outdoor swimming pool and a 60 meter long outdoor swimming pool and they're both unheated. They're both open all year round. So there's kind of a thriving swimming culture in, in central London, I would say. And enough, I, within um, a mile of my, my flat, which is very central, I have four swimming pools I can go to. So I'm very lucky. Well, I, I had absolutely no idea. I mean, if, when you said 50, 50 days in different pools, I, I, I'm, how far did you have to travel to get to 50 pools? I mean, I'm surprised there's that many pools in London, but that's probably just my ignorance. That's what, I mean, that's what everybody says. And I didn't even go to all of them. Um, I did it. I did 50 pools because it was my 50th birthday. I would probably say there were around 60 or 70 to many pools. I didn't travel that far. I mean, I live very centrally and I went in a kind of radius from my house and probably the furthest i traveled was seven miles so if you drew a seven mile radius from my flat you'd get 50 swimming pools wow that, that, uh, yeah oh, that's impressive i did a i did a pool crawl a few years ago where um, i think we did the warm-up set in one in one 50 meter pool and then did the main set in another one and did the cool down set in in a third but that was uh, that was three in one day and that <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be hard work. Fifty and fifty days and a mile in each. That, that's that's well impressive. <laughs> so, t t tell us about the sort of standard of swimming or the sort of s swimming etiquette, because um, I mean, my recollection of learning to swim in London um, many years ago was that it was uh, more around drowning avoidance than um, than stroke correction. And um, I mean, my recollection is of swimming teachers wearing these ancient sort of Dunlop. Um, pumps uh, all carrying broom handles round with them like some monastic order goodness knows what the what the <laughs> what the broom handle was for and there seems to be a real grouping of people at the end of the lane just stopping and chatting as opposed to swimming but 
that, that's probably a, a 40 or 50 year old memory of mine. T- tell us, what, what, how do you see, uh, how do you see the sort of participation in, in activities in the pool when you're there? Well, um, I guess there are, swimming is apparently the second um, most popular uh, sport in the UK after apparently fishing. I'm not entirely sure that I would call fishing a sport, but um, so apparently swimming is the second most um, popular participation sport in the UK. Um, and and the pools are well used, I would say, generally. We have, you know, there's a kind of, there, there, every swimming pool that you would go to, I would say, has a, a, a club for kids. Um, and every swimming pool, or many, many of the swimming pools, have an adults master club attached to them. Um, and, the, and the pools are pretty busy. And of course, the population of London is um, large. And so it's quite, it can be quite difficult to kind of find a time of the day to go when you can kind of swim peacefully and not butt into, you know, a lot of other people. You have to choose your time to swim fairly carefully and and of course if you're used to swimming with a club where you know the, what you're doing is very regimented and everybody knows the etiquette then it can be quite a challenge to kind of swim in a public session the way i get around that is by just being kind of quite chilled out about it generally speaking you think it's great that the pools are used it's great that people are swimming in them um, it's great that people are having a nice time. I generally like swimming in a less crowded environment, so I choose to go at the end of the day. I always avoid swimming first thing in the morning because <laughs> it's usually much more competitive. People just want, you know, they have a kind of red mist come down and they're on them and they just think I need to get in my length before going to work. And it kind of can be quite combative. I, t- I tend to go later on in the evening, so I find swimming pools are open late. I kind of go and get in my, you know, my hour and a half swimming when most people are, most reasonable people are sitting in front of the TV or they're having their dinner. I just think the pool's nice and quiet then, so I, uh, I, I swim when everybody else is at home. Now, earlier on, you said you weren't into sprinting, and I guess I understand that based on what you've just said. And, and some of your some of your swims have been have been been amazing. I mean, you, you swam the English Channel in, in two thousand and six. I think uh, it was eighteen hours fifty two minutes to do that. Uh, a few weeks ago, you did the annual Jubilee River swim, which was which was ten k. Can you tell us about your your relationship with the water? I mean, what goes through your mind? Um, uh, you know during swims like that um yeah uh so my relationship with the water well on longs you know long swims are much different than than short sprints obviously in in you know physically they're very very different but also mentally they're very different and most of the challenge of a long distance swim or an endurance event is is not mentally collapsing with the hideousness of the thing lasting for a very very long time so it's really easy to uh to, for your mind to get the better of you and you think oh my goodness i'm going to be in this water for 18 hours or i'm going to be in this water for you know half of the day and and just to kind of implode so you kind of need to train your brain to cope with that and that's a kind of a lot of what long distance swimming is about so 
um, you need to be able to kind of break your swim down into really short bite-sized chunks and think, oh, well, it's only, I'm only, so when you're doing a long distance supported swim, like the English Channel, you just think, you know, you're fed at regular intervals and you, and there's a kind of a mantra, which is swim to the next feed, swim to the next feed, swim to the next feed. Because if you can cope with it, you know, I've only got to swim for half an hour. Um, and then I can decide to get out if I'm having a really miserable time. And then, of course, you swim for half an hour and you, and you have a feed from your support crew and, and you have a little chat and then you feel a little bit better and then you kind of start swimming again. And then you just think, I've only got to swim for another half an hour. And then before you know it, you've done, you know, you swim for quite a long time. And it's, and it's the same, it was the same when I swam the 10K a week ago. The, the river, it was swimming down a river and there were lots of bridges across the river and so I kind of I would look up and I would spot another bridge another few hundred meters away and I think okay well that bridge is about four or five hundred meters away so I'm just going to swim to that next bridge and um, when I've got to that another four or five hundred meters will have passed and then you get to that bridge and you're like where's the next bridge and you know you just pick your brain into thinking you're doing lots of short swims <laughs> rather than you're doing one really long one um, so it's all about mental training rather than physical training, really. And I'm guessing that you do so much swimming, you, you must find it very beneficial. Um, how do you find it helps you? Um, as well, I think I said to you right at the beginning, swimming keeps me sane, really. Um, I have a, a really busy, quite stressful job, and I have to talk to people all day. Um, and interact with people all day and I'm quite an introverted person and I really like being on my own and I really like the calmness and, and I guess living in a big city as well you know it's quite stressful when you walk out the front door and you're in a street that's got lots of people and you get into a bus it's rush hour and there are like hundreds of people around you and you go to work um, I love the solitude of swimming I love the fact that I don't have to talk to anybody and nobody can talk to me I love the fact that it just it's kind of slow motion I mean, maybe that's a reflection of like how fast i'm swimming as well but um uh maybe people who sprint a lot more than me don't think of it as being slow motion as much but i get into the pool and i put on my you know my goggles and i, I wear earplugs and um and i kind of swim along and i know that and it's and there's a purity, isn't there, about swimming where everything just slows down, the visuals slow down, you can't hear anything, you can't smell anything, you can just kind of see the, you're swimming in a pool, you can just see the, the black line and this kind of comfort in, in the quietness of that, I think, that I, I really appreciate. It's funny, just listening to your voice, talking of that, I can, I can just see myself at the moment plodding along also in slow motion uh, stretching out with the sun on the back sort of just just heading towards the wall turning around and coming back it's <laughs> thank you i just i just i just zoned out for a moment there i thought i was in the water <laughs> well because you know exactly what i'm talking about don't you yes 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 now on one hand you you say you're you're, you're quite introverted and you try and cut yourself off when you're swimming but but you've put yourself out there on on digital media for many years uh talking about swimming what have been the reactions and and do you find this helps with your swimming 
Uh, it helps on, on lots of different levels. Um, I think, I mean, maybe this is an interesting thing for the people in your, who listen to your, listening to your podcast. All the, all the swimming adventures I've had and all the thing, crazy swimming things I've done have been from the support of other people. You know, from that one first coach who spotted me and said, hey, come and join our master's club, to the person who said, oh, why don't you go and do this open water swim, to the person who I met who said to me, I think you should swim the English Channel, to, you know, every other single thing that I've done, I've had masses of support from the swimming community. And, and just as I've had support, I think it's really important to give other people support and... And I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm getting on a bit now and I'm slower than I used to be for sure. And, and I have my anxieties about swimming just like everybody else does. I think it's really important to, to talk about those things, to inspire other people to, to, to take up the sport or to kind of try an adventure that they weren't going to try or to enter a race that they weren't going to enter or to push themselves a bit when they wouldn't have done so before. And I think if I can do it, you know, many other people can do it as well and it will kind of encourage them to be more confident with their swimming um and then there's this kind of second part of it which is i think and i and i kind of spoke about this a bit before i did the jubilee river swim i think stating that you're going to do something sometimes means that you have to do it even if you don't want to do it um and so you know i've entered that same very same race a couple of times before and just gone oh you know I can't do it I'm too stressed I'm not fast enough I I you know I'm not going to finish it or I'll be last not be humiliating and and it's really easy to excuse yourself from doing things but if you tell others that you're going to do them then you have to put your money where your mouth is and do them and I've and I've done a similar thing recently with um I've kind of set myself a personal target of swimming 50 kilometers a month and I could have just had that kind of like secret target that I had for myself, but telling other people that you're going to do it and then, and then kind of talking about doing it along the way uh, means you're likely, more likely to kind of keep to it as well. So the, the, the social media thing, and, and the people I've met through, through social media is amazing. The kind of sort of community is so supportive and so lovely. Um, I've met people from all over the world through uh, social networks. And you? <laughs> yes, we wouldn't have connected had it not been for uh, for your social media posting. So, so thank you. Um, it may be my warped reading of your your blog, but you seem to have a particular fascination for swimming in very cold water, and. <laughs> I'm a bike very cold. I'm not, I don't mean Australian cold, where the air temperature drops below 10 degrees and everybody says it's freezing. We, we mean literally freezing, where you've got to remove the ice first or swim between icebergs. <laughs> just, just think you co you've completely lost the plot. C can you describe the sort of motivation and experience of, of swimming in water that's quite that cold? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I would say I first started swimming in cold water um, as a means to an end, because I know that the English Channel is cold, and so you 
you know, like with like with all of these things, people say, oh, I couldn't I couldn't swim the English Channel. It's far too cold or I couldn't swim in that unheated swimming pool. It's far too cold. But like with anything in sport, it's just a matter of training yourself and training your body, training your mind to be able to cope with those situations. So when I first started swimming in cold water, it was because I was going to swim the English Channel. I knew that it was important to be acclimatized to it. And, and just so, just so we know, I mean, what what temperature would the English Channel be in the English summer typically? Uh, so when I swam, it'd be around sixteen to seventeen degrees centigrade. Okay. It can get to around nineteen, but that's um, that's at the very end of the summer. But you've swum in water considerably colder than that. <laughs> so, that so here's the thing: if you if you think I'm okay, I'm going to swim the English Channel in sixteen degrees water. And you start uh, and you start training in sixteen degrees water, then it will always seem cold. If you start swimming, if you start training in four degrees water, seventeen degrees water seems like a bath. Um, anyway, I mean, so that's kind of the original motivation. But of course, you know, I swam the English Channel, whatever it was, twelve years ago, and I still swimming cold water. Um, I think it's it's crazy and fun and the way that i can um the way that i can explain it to people who who've never done it is it's a bit like bungee jumping people say why do you go and swim in cold water for like it's all over in two minutes what's the point of it and i say well you know what's the point of bungee jumping you kind of have this like nervous energy that you have for i mean i must say ben i would never bungee jump i think it's a completely crazy thing to do but you know you have that kind of adrenaline rush beforehand and that nervousness of doing it and then you do this thing and it lasts for a couple of minutes and then afterwards you think oh my goodness thank goodness i'm you know i'm not dead um that was an amazing adrenaline rush it wasn't it brilliant um and you have a kind of a great endorphin rush and it's the same it's the same with cold water swimming you you, you know, generally in the middle of the winter, if it's really cold, I'm nervous for hours before I swim in cold water. And, you know, you can go along and you're just like, oh my goodness, why am I doing this? And then you go and you swim in absolutely freezing cold water. And it's, it's, it's quite challenging and demanding. And you swim in cold water for like two or three minutes and then you get out and then you spend a couple of hours getting warm and you're really grateful that it's over and you have an amazing um, rush of endorphins and an adrenaline. Um, it's exciting and exhilarating. And you think I've, I've done a thing that was really hard and, uh, and, and now thank goodness it's over and I'm going to go and sit with a hot water bottle and, and drink a glass of hot tea. Um, so tell us, when you say really cold water, what temperature are we talking about? Uh, yeah, so the coldest water I've ever swum in was minus 0.7 degrees centigrade. And that was in Finland in the Arctic Circle. And I went to swim with a group of people to the... Around, around Europe, there is um, the World Ice, uh, Ice Swimming Championships. Um, and when I first went to them again around 15 years ago they were kind of quite a small affair an eccentric affair and now it's become much more common but um we went to the north of finland and i thought well i'm going to be swimming in this kind of water in the north of finland but you know obviously it's not going to be below zero because that would be ice um but what i didn't realize is that 
when they, well, A, the freezing temperature of seawater is lower than the freezing temperature of, um, of uh, non-seawater. Um, and B, they had all these, the Finnish people, they had all these pumps in the water to kind of keep it moving so that it wouldn't freeze over. So it was a bit like, you know, do you know what a slush puppy is? Well, I do. I'm not sure the listeners will, but I'll explain that to them later. <laughs> it was basically like swimming in a, a giant slush puppy. So kind of like icy kind of slush. Um, and what they do is they, they carve out, they, they find a lake and they carve out a swimming pool sized hole in the lake. So they have to get these kind of giant cane tools out and cut through, you know, kind of a few feet of um, ice. And um, they make it like a 25 meter six lane swimming pool. Um, uh, and they have the ice water swimming championships in them. So you have to do uh, a, the, the traditional ice swimming championship races uh, a length of head up breaststroke um, and, and breaststroke is my worst stroke <laughs> so there's an irony in that and you have to swim with your head up because it's like too cold to put your head under the water um, and um, you just swim a length uh, as fast as you possibly can um, and that's it and then you're going to go and pile into a sauna uh, it was absolutely you know, phenomenally cold, really, really cold. I felt when I, so they have, um, they have steps that go down to the, uh, the pool, but they have to make them wooden steps because if they were metal steps, if you were holding on to the kind of metal rung, you'd stick to it because you freeze to the metal. Um, so they have these kind of wooden steps and you kind of all get into the water with your shot. You can't dive into the water. You get into the water and you've all got to have your shoulders under the water. And then you swim a length and you get out to the other end and they've like magically run your clothes around to the other end. I got out of the water, I felt like um, my feet had been beaten with a mallet and my fingers had been slammed into a car door. It was very cold. I'm not Sally, really selling I... it. Though. <laughs> Sally, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing a, I'm not seeing people rush out to uh, to book a trip, but but, but, but if if I, if I know of any, I'll I'll let you know. But thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> what I'd like to do now is perhaps change gear and uh, just just pick up a, a few other a few other questions I've got. Um, I know one of your professional interests is diversity in technology. Ha yeah. Have you got any views about diversity in swimming? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, I think in terms of gender diversity, uh, swimming pool is generally pretty good, uh, at, at a master's level, which is obviously the level at which I kind of experience swimming. So, um, in my swimming club, uh, uh for a certain period of time, there were many more women than there were men. Um, and now it's probably around 50-50. I think if you look at triathlon, which is kind of where many people uh, in later life encounter swimming, you've probably kind of got more of a, a, a different gender balance, um, more men than women. Um, and I think in endurance swimming, there are, it, there's, there's 
probably a kind of a really good gender balance as well. Uh, you have just as many women swimming in endurance events than you do as you do men. And many of the people I know um, who swim open water endurance events are are women, and they kind of give as good as they uh, get in terms of um, in terms of kind of winning the races. So that's that's great. Um, I think in this country, um, the kind of uh, balance of kind of ethnicities is not so great and it's something that we could do much better at. I think swimming is very much a kind of a, an affluent white sport in the UK for sure. Um, and that's for sure got to change. And I'm not sure not sure quite how how you challenge that to be honest um there's a there's an amazing group in in london actually that i'd like love to give a, a shout out to they've got a really odd name they're called swim dem crew and they have like um got an amazing um like uh balance of different Kind of people from different kind of cultures and walks of life and they've made swimming like really cool for people from you know different diverse backgrounds um i'm not entirely sure how they've done that but they're kind of really spearheading that in london and it's great to see um yeah so that's swim dem crew swim dem crew yeah well, google them and i'll put a link to them in the show notes because um i think what you describe is is not that dissimilar to the situation we've got here in australia um i know there's a lot of particularly chinese asians uh who are into swimming but some of the other uh ethnicities so i pronounce that properly <laughs> um are, uh, are underrepresented uh, perhaps there's quite a few koreans as well oh thank you for that yeah. Now, you've worked a lot of your career, I know, in traditional media, which has been seriously disrupted by digital technology. Do you see any potential for digital disruption in swimming? Wow, that is a question that I have not considered. Digital disruption in swimming. I mean, I know that technology is now playing kind of a more a part in kind of training and training aids, um, and certainly in terms of kind of preparing, um, you know, preparing swimmers for competition. Um, what other forms of digital disruption could there be? I'm not sure. I get that. I'm. I feel terrible, Ben. I haven't really thought this through. Oh, I, I mean, it's feel terrible. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure I've got an answer for you either, but I was curious to ask. I I quite like the fact that that swimming is a, and maybe this is kind of coming from my like open water, quite traditional background. I really like the fact that swimming is something that you can do without technology. I really like the fact that you don't need expensive togs and gear and kit and that you don't need um you know uh, uh the, the like for example all the stuff that you need for um triathlon um all the kind of expensive gear i really like the fact that you don't need a wetsuit although there's kind of quite a 
a trend um, in this country for people to feel that they, in order to swim outdoors, they have to buy a, you know, a several hundred pound wetsuit. Um, and I really like the fact that you can just swim and you can count your lap. You don't need an expensive Garmin watch. You don't need a top of the range wetsuit. You don't need any gear. You can just rock up in your togs and your goggles and your swimming cap and swim and like count in your head how many laps you've done and look at a pace clock that's like an analog thing that goes round and round and you know work out your splits if you want to um you know i i really like the kind of purity of being able to do that um and i think the more and more that we kind of invest in kind of technology i think the kind of the the less of the the purity of the sport is, if you like. Yeah, there's a um, a national icon here in Australia who you probably haven't heard of called Dawn Fraser. Um, of course I've heard of Dawn Fraser. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, she's, uh, I think she's 81 years old now. And um, there's two people, two Olympians, who've, who've won the same event at three uh, successive Olympic Games. And Michael Phelps is one of them, and she's the other. And when you look back to the photos of her swimming in the 1950s, um, although technology has moved on a little bit in terms of swimsuits and goggles and lane ropes and, and starting platforms, yeah. <laughs> still still seems to me to be a very similar sport. So <laughs> yeah. it's, pretty, and it's pretty, pretty digital proof to me. And it's a thing you do with your body rather than anything else. You know, you just need a body of water and yourself. You know, that's, I, if I was reading an article today, um, maybe, you know, this is something I don't know a huge amount about, but a friend of mine posted on, on, on the internet that a club nearby had, had taken the decision to stop youngsters from wearing technical suits, suits for their, um, you know, for their kind of lower key meets because there's such a, you know, such a drive now to wear kind of technical suits for racing. And, you know, the, the cost of those suits is super expensive and, uh, you know, the, the shelf life of them is short and they kind of taken this brave decision to say, no, you know, if you're entering in a national event, then you can wear like an expensive technical suit. But for like normal meets, you know, we're advising parents and children to just wear normal you know, normal swimsuits or, you know, you know, a normal pair of jammers or a normal swimsuit. And to me, that's kind of more what I like to embrace in the sport. And of course, endurance swimming is all about, you know, you wear a cosy and a hat and goggles and you get on with it. Yeah, there's a similar issue rumbling around down here as well. So it's, it's interesting about the, the parallels. Now, before we move on to the uh, the um, the quick fire round of questions to close off, you've um, doing some fundraising as part of your swims. Can you tell us a bit about your uh, your chosen charity? Yes, uh, the charity I'm trying to raise funds for is the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity. Um, the Royal Marsden is a cancer cancer specialist hospital in London, um, and I you know, cancer has crossed the paths of people I love in the last year in just very difficult ways. And Royal Marsden is a, an, a really excellent facility um, that's given support to people that I love. And I, you know, and like, 
at any hospital, you know, there, you know, there's the kind of the normal infrastructure of those hospitals, but all the people around those hospitals that do amazing things and support the people who are going through horrible times. And so I thought it'd be great to, uh, to raise some money fund from that hospital. Well, I'll put a link to the Royal Marsden um, in the show notes. Um, perhaps you could tell people how to connect with you on social media if they want to follow your adventures and advice. Uh, sure. Um, I am on Twitter. Um, um, my uh, uh, handle is uh, Sally Gobel, very straightforward. Um, and I write a sewing blog um, on Medium, and uh, the blog is called Postcards from the Pool. Um, and that's exactly what they are. They're just kind of little short pieces about swimming that I kind of publish every few weeks. Excellent. Well, I'll put links to those in the show notes as well. Now, Sally, before we let you go, are you ready for the, uh, the quick fire round of questions to, uh, to close yeah. off? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Very good. So question number one, what's been the most useful piece of equipment or advice that you've had during your swimming career? Oh, um, most, uh, uh, um, um, swim to the next feed. Lovely. Number two, if you were to officiate at a swim meet in New South Wales, which of course you wouldn't, the lucky door <laughs> prize is a bottle of wine or box of chocolates. Are you wine or chocolates? Chocolates. What sort? Oh, um, dark chocolate. Very good. Number three, what, if anything, would you do differently if you had your swimming career all over again? Oh, I would definitely learn to swim well, good technique as a young kid. Question four. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some stroke correction now and I have 30 years of bad technique I'm trying to iron out and that is really, really difficult. I know the feeling personally. <laughs> <laughs> Question four, what's your 50 metres freestyle personal best time? Oh, 50 metres? Um, probably 38 seconds. That's very good. What temperature of water are we talking about? Are we talking um, warm water? Oh, 28. 28, okay. <laughs> You'd think it would be faster this the colder it is but sadly it doesn't work that way <laughs> and my final question is what's been your most exciting swimming moment uh landing in france after swimming my channel um which was three o'clock in the morning on a completely deserted beach in the middle of nowhere but it was still the best swimming moment i've ever had sally gobel thank you so much indeed for your time today it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I was very inspired by that conversation with Sally. And um, just to pick up on her advice, um, I'll publicly announce here that as a result of that, I'm going swimming tomorrow. I've got it scheduled in my calendar and arranged to meet somebody down at the pool. So I'm telling the world. <laughs> so you're going to have to keep me accountable for actually doing it. I tell you what, if that does inspire you then get the togs on and go down the pool yourself i know it's the middle of winter but it's uh, it's not really that cold and uh, perhaps pass it on to somebody else who may be well that's just about it for this week i do of course usually close by saying 
do please stay dry. But <laughs> given what I've just said, I think that's totally inappropriate. So um, this week, I have to say, until we next meet, do please go for a swim. Thank you.